Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Priest Forever, the Vocations Office for the Diocese of Bridgeport podcast. My name is Father Chris Ford, the Vocations Director for the Diocese of Bridgeport. It's a joy to welcome you back. We hope that you've been enjoying our episodes so far. We hope that you have been learning a lot and uh, being able to explore a little bit more deeply how God might be working in your life, what he might be calling you to, and how you can support vocations, how you can pray for our priests, and how you can encourage uh, those uh, men that you know in your life uh, who God might be calling, how to encourage them to ask that question and to respond with a generous heart. And so we're happy to welcome you back. We're happy to welcome our guest today, Father Eric Silva. Uh, Father Silva is the chaplain in St. Joseph's High School in Trumbull, and he is also a member of our diocesan vocations team. So he's one of the priests who works closely with me in terms of helping us to promote vocations to the priesthood and accompany young men who are discerning whether or not God might be calling them to that life. So welcome, Father Silva. We're very happy to have you. It's great to be here. Really excited to have this conversation and hopefully be uh, maybe some sort of aid for someone listening who may be called to be a shepherd after his heart as well. So, Yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. And so I just want to begin, you know, kind of uh, just with who you are, right? So, you know, Father Eric Silva, you know, now you're a priest, you've, you've been serving for in the diocese for a few years, uh, but that hasn't been the story necessarily of your whole life. Um, so who is Father Eric Silva? That's a deep question. Um, well, uh, so I was born on Long Island. My whole family's from New York. Um, we moved when I was like four years old. So I, I still consider myself a native of the diocese, even though technically it's not true. Um, so we moved when I was four. My father got a job in Stratford. So we moved to Trumbull and, uh, yeah, I grew up there. I have, uh, an older brother and a younger brother. Um, and we went through public school, Booth Hill, Hillcrest, um, middle school. And then, uh, both of my brothers went to Trumbull High and then I'm the only one in my family who was sent to St. Joe's, um, huh. like to, to joke around is the best decision that I never made because <laughs> I definitely didn't make it. Um, yeah. you know, my brother was a senior at Trumbull high. I would have been a freshman. Like I, you know, I wanted to go and, and be with him, but, um, but yeah, so my parents uh, sent me to St. Joe's and, uh, in fact, I, I probably talk more with, uh, high school friends than, um, friends who, I made later on in life. Um, well, I'm going to turn off my mail so that we don't <laughs> giant ding in the middle of the podcast. Again. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So in fact, this past weekend, I went to uh, Fall River to go baptize um, the first child of a friend I went to high school with as well. Um, That's beautiful. That was great. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I went to college at St. Anselm College up in New Hampshire, studied psychology uh, before entering the seminary. But um, yeah, I mean, things that I enjoy doing are, you know, your average person. I, I grew, grew up playing soccer, um, not not well. Um, I was on a number of travel teams and things, which people are always like, wow, you went to like a national tournament. I'm like, yeah, but like I sat on the bench the whole time. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't good. Yeah. Like I was really good at like, going to practice. Like I was sure I was there like on time a lot. Yep. Um, and I was, no one warmed a bench quite like I did. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I played soccer. Uh, I like going backpacking and, and hiking and things. Something that I got into when I was in college. Cause St. Anselm College is like right at the, uh, like the base of the White Mountains in New Hampshire. Yeah. So we would do like uh, my college roommate and I, uh, would do a couple mountains. Um, mm -hmm. 
And then like a few years ago, we did uh, just like the whole presidential range, which was great um, with the cow cuts, you know, the cow cuts. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and so, um, yeah, hiking, shooting, you know, hanging out with friends. I grew up watching a lot of movies. Uh, in fact, like my dad is a huge cinephile, which is where I get it from. And yeah. um, it's basically our love language to like speak back and forth <laughs> using quotes. Yeah. Right? And so like, you know, he'll like quote Forrest Gump. I'll be like, you're, you're doing okay? Like everything yeah. all right? Um, and so, yeah, I love, love watching movies. Um, yeah. I live with two priests and uh, constantly watching movies or television together. Um, but yeah, uh, you no, know, people say like, uh, I'm like a normal person. Like that's, I take that as a compliment. Like, I, yeah, absolutely. I'm weird, but I'm like, I'm also like normal in comparison to a lot of folks. Um, <laughs> that's fair. You know, working in, working in high school, I'm like, okay, I, I feel a lot better about myself. Like you're, <laughs> you're a weirdo, you know, like it's <laughs> That's, that's comforting. That's to right. to any students of Father Silvers who may listen to this, he does love you. Oh, <laughs> I love weirdos. Everybody, Jesus loves weirdos. Like Jesus hung around with all weirdos. It, that explains yeah. seminary a lot. Um, but <laughs> you know, I think an important question though that 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 has to be asked, right? Is is since you mentioned you love movies, your love language with your father is talking about movies. I would be remiss if I did not ask, what is your favorite movie? Oh, it, that's see, that's not a fair question because <laughs> it depends on the day. It depends on like yeah. the, the the mood. It depends on if you're with other people. It depends on like the temperature outside. It depends on a lot. <laughs> uh, but if I had to boil it down to one that I would watch like over and over again, it would probably be um, it's a French movie called uh, Of Gods and Men. Mm. The yeah. true story of the Algerian Trappist monks. Um, and whether or not they're going to stay at their monastery or leave because there was this impending sort of attack from a, a group of radical Muslims. Um, and so, uh, there's like, there's one scene that is iconic for me. Um, mm -hmm. it's my favorite scene in all of movies, which that's a big step. Like I could say that with absolute certainty, like this is my favorite scene in all of movies where mm -hmm. it's dinner time and, um, they eat in total silence and they're finishing up their prayer. And all of a sudden, like one of the curmudgeon monks, like he's just like a grouchy guy. He, he walks in with like two bottles of wine and he places them on the counter and he presses play on a boombox and it's Swan Lake. And it's all of them like pouring the wine and like <laughs> acting with their faces. And like it starts out like and then it keeps moving in on their faces as the like mm -hmm. the music gets more and more dramatic. Um, and so it's a like a, a realization of, of what it is they're about to uh, endure, um, and namely, you know, uh, martyrdom because they're, they're beatified, uh, martyrs, I think back in 2016. So, uh, that if I had to watch one movie over and over again, it'd be that because uh, you're always pulling something out of it. Yeah. 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 That is, that is an absolutely beautiful movie. I had the opportunity to watch it, uh, in seminary, um, with, with my brother seminaries, we actually watched it as a house mm. and, you know, it really was, it was also a good, in many ways, kind of, especially in seminary, it's a good examination of conscience, um, in many ways of, of kind of what is your commitment and, and what is your, uh, willingness, how far are you willing to go? Because even if it is quote unquote figuratively, right. It, we priesthood is about laying down your life, mm. right. As, as the, the monks were, were, were also asked to do in a very real way. 
um, you know, in the movie. So it's, it's, it's beautiful. And I, I love movies, you know, anyone who's, you know, heard my homilies and the people at St. Greg's for sure, uh, have noticed, uh, how often I use movies as, uh, different images, uh, in, in my homilies It's cause they do, they just, they're a great way of reflecting the realities of life and the, the decisions that we have to make. And, um, and even the divine presence, you know, kind of in it. So, uh, so that's beautiful. So your, your parents made the decision for you to go to St. Joe's, but it seems that really, I mean, obviously I think God was making that decision because there is such a rich history uh, over the last 15, 20, 25 years of alumni of St. Joe's in our diocese becoming priests for our diocese. So very clearly Providence was moving uh, in that direction. But what was your experience of that like? So you hadn't gone to Catholic school, you know, until that moment, what was that experience like of stepping in uh, to St. Joe's kind of as an, an outsider to the Catholic school world, so to speak at that time. Yeah. I mean, we were Catholic as a family, so we were going to mass, uh, almost every Sunday. And so like, I, it was something I identified with. Um, and so like, I wouldn't say that we were nominally Catholic cause we were, but at the same time, it, it wasn't so much a, an identity as something that we did. And so, um, when I went to Catholic school, that was the first time being exposed to people who like really believed, right? Like believed in such a way that their actions were different. Like that was, that was a big thing for me. Um, they changed their life because of what they believe. And I remember all of like the superficial things not being a big deal, right? Like I enjoyed wearing a uniform, right? Like exhibit a, right. <laughs> I wonder what I'm going to wear today, right? Like, Oh, the same exact thing that I wear every day is sick. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. My closet looks like a cartoon character. You open it up. <laughs> same shirts, same pants. Yeah. It's great. Um, and then, but like going to going to, to, to school was kind of the same thing, right? Like uh, a lot of the superficial stuff kind of melted away. Um, and like, you know, like getting into the routine of, you know, praying before school, after school, you know, being brought to mass, basically. All these things were were, were fine. Like I, I, I don't think that I, had any issue. I think more so the reason why I wanted to go to Trumbull High was my brother was a senior there and I wanted to go with him. Um, but um, yeah, no, St. Joe's was that time where like I, I was exposed to a lot of the devotionals that I'd never been exposed to, right? I'd never seen adoration before that. Uh, I'd never been to a daily mass before that. Um, I'd never prayed a full rosary before that. And I remember even still at my, my freshman English class with Mrs. Sorrentino, we prayed the Memorare before every single class. Mm. And after that freshman year, I didn't pray that until my first day in seminary. Mm. And I like, I was so nervous. I, I didn't really know how to pray a rosary when I entered the seminary. Um, like I still need to use the booklet. And I remember like feeling so out of place in the seminary. And then they prayed that before dinner. Um, and then I was like, oh, oh, I know this one. Right. And it was like, yeah. a jump, like it just jumped in. Yeah. And so like you could see how going to Catholic school um, gives you the tools to not just remember, but like feel like you're part of something, even if you haven't been a part of it for, for so many years. Yeah. yeah. So how, whether it was in high school or maybe it was later on, I don't know, but how did learning some of those those kind of external pieces, right? The devotions and, and daily. how did that begin to shift inside? How did that begin to really affect your living relationship ultimately with, with Jesus? 
I mean, you know this too, like every time we tell our vocation story, um, we're forced to like look back at our life and it's like, oh, I, now I see how God was working. Like right. now I see how God was working. So whenever I tell the story, I always need to preface it. Like in the moment I had zero introspection, right? Like yeah. I had no idea. Like I was a dumb young person as well, right? Like yeah. just going through life like, Doo. um, <laughs> so like use a, a movie analogy, like ET being lured into the house by Elliot, yeah. like with the Reese's pieces, like mm-hmm. that's how God worked with me. I'm like, I can't eat all these Reese's pieces. And God's like, just eat the next one. You, you fool. All right. And I'm like, okay. Right. And then like, I'm like, I can't eat all these Reese's pieces. And he's like, just eat the next one. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so like, again, in retrospect, everything is so clear. Um, but in the moment, I think for a lot of people, uh, it's hard to see how God's working. So lest I come off as prideful of like, Oh, clearly God was working in my life. Like, no, sure now clear um but yeah i I think the devotionals were um they were a a seed uh and a seedbed that when i started taking part in them like the the mass and and the rosary in particular in college when i started doing them for my you know of my own volition as opposed to being brought there um i was comfortable enough because i had done those things in high school right like i don't think that i would have uh, made my Lenten discipline my sophomore year of college, uh, going to daily mass had I not gone to mass as much as I did in high school. Um, and that Lent was the most transformative Lent, uh, in my life. I attribute that, that Lent, Lent, uh, 2013 or 14. Mm -hmm. No, sorry. That's way too late. Uh, 2010, um, as the, the sort of pivotal moment, um, and so, yeah, and and just I know for a lot of people, they they struggle with entering into devotionals and going to mass and doing things at their parish because they feel out of place or it's foreign to them. They don't know how to do it, and so they don't do it. Um, and so, you know, one of my main missions here is to do what um, my chaplain when I was in high school, Father Joe Marcello, um, like just educate. This is why we do what we do, so that you don't you don't forget, right? Once you know the why, it's really hard to forget the what. Um, and so, yeah, St. Joe's did that, right? It, it taught me the why. And uh, when I was ready to enter into the faith more deeply, I didn't have to deal with the, I don't know what I'm doing necessarily. I mean, I didn't know a, a lot because um, right. it wasn't a part of my life. It wasn't routine. Yeah. But uh, I didn't have to. I didn't feel as foreign to it mm-hmm. as I would have had I not gone to Catholic high school. Yeah, because it is, right? it is it's like it's it's a language, yeah. so to speak. Right. And so when you're when you're first getting introduced to it, right, if you can understand, even if you don't necessarily know how to use it. Right. If you can at least the words are familiar, the, the culture is familiar and all those things. Then when you finally do go and immerse yourself in it, it feels a little bit more comfortable. Right. You can you can speak the language, you you know, some of the jargon, you know, some of the motions and and things like that. And and it actually becomes freeing in a sense, because now it's it's OK. I don't it's not a matter of just learning the what it's actually putting it into practice and allowing it to now be effective and and kind of actually move my heart as opposed to just rigidly. OK, this is what I have to do, you know, over that time. Yeah, like the, it's similar to in the in the analogy of sports. Like the more you know about a sport, the more you, you start to love those sort of subtleties, right? Like 
um, you know, soccer, learning the offsides rule and the, the trap mm-hmm. and, and um, those things, they allow you like the, you may say like, oh, those things are not that important. And when you're first starting, like you don't you don't introduce someone who's never seen soccer to the offsides rule. Right. Like you introduce them to like the beauty of the entirety of the game. Right? Look at the field. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I love it more because of the rules and the rules allow me to love it more. Um, like they give me the parameters for how I can can love this sport. Um, yeah. It's the same thing. Like the more I learned about mass, you know, going to daily mass at uh, St. Anselm College with the Benedictines, you know, like I got to, I started to pay attention a whole lot more because I could do nothing. Like there's far less people. So I wasn't as distracted. Mm-hmm. And then I got to see like, I noticed like he's doing different Eucharistic prayers now. Like I'd never noticed that before, but like all of them have like similar components, right? Like they all pray for the Pope and the Bishop. Right. Um, yeah. And so like, I started to, to notice certain things or like, you know, on ferial days, like he, he, he would say some like weird mass for like the Holy spirit or like, mm. uh, for like Wednesdays were like St. Joseph. Um, and so I started to notice certain things that, uh, Otherwise, I wouldn't have had I not been, you know, going regularly. Sure. Yeah. Now you have it, what in in many ways is I don't want to say like unique, but it's probably one of the le- the less common experiences of entering seminary, which is that I think most guys enter in either right out of high school or once they've completed college, right? So not necessarily as soon as they've graduated college, but they've usually finished college somewhere and whether they're working for a couple of years or they come right out, but you came, I believe, right in the middle of your college uh, experience. So what was that like? How did that, um, what was kind of your journey from, okay, you, you graduated from St. Joe's and you're off to St. Anselm. So you, there's probably this assumption that I'm going to finish there. Um, how does that journey then ultimately lead to, you know, kind of a mid course correction, so to speak, um, into, into seminary? Well, I mean, when I entered college, I had no intention of entering the seminary later on. Like, I didn't r- wrestle with that question. Like, should I go to seminary? Should I go to college? Like, it wasn't on my mind at all. But, you know, when I went to college, it was, you know, falling into the typical sins uh, that, that college students have to deal with, you know, the party scene and the promiscuity and things. Um, and I certainly was not living the virtuous life uh, or even attempting it um, until my sophomore year when um like most stories of of men's man's life is begins with a woman um i met my college girlfriend and i started going to mass because she was going to mass and uh, i started changing my life because i really this is the first you know woman that i thought you know she could end up being my wife um and so i i noticed my life was starting to be different and like i said going to mass um during the uh lenten season every single day i remember like i would show up late and then leave early but by the end of lent i was going an hour early and staying an hour afterwards with like no concept of time um i just again in retrospect things are super clear you know like i was that was at peace and when i had the realization that god was calling me to enter the seminary which is important distinction i think for guys like i told the vocation director at the time father bob canale i said or, sorry, Monsignor now. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a historical story, so we'll, we'll take it. Thank you. Yes, yeah, at the time. Um, and so 
I remember going to him and saying, like, I don't think God wants me to be a priest, but I think he wants me to enter the seminary. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, we can work with that. That's fine. Um, yeah. And so it was one of those things like, again, Reese's Pieces, like if I thought about being a priest, it would have scared me away. Um, God wanted me to just say, like, I need to I need to go to seminary. And, you know, I'd like to be able to say that it was a desire to enter the seminary that was so strong that made me want to like, once you know what you're called to do, like you don't want to wait anymore. Um, but it was more so the fact that I could not live the virtuous life at college any longer. Um, I'm a weak man and, uh, I needed to be surrounded by a much more intentional community of men who were trying to help me grow in virtue. Um, and so to keep me accountable and things like I loved my college friends very much. So, and my college roommate who, uh, is a non-believer, um, but one of the most naturally virtuous men I've ever met in my life, um, but was still, you know, had a different um, intention for his life, uh, perspective for his life. And I needed, you know, good Catholic men. Um, and so I, I need, I couldn't wait. So I left halfway through my junior year. Um, it was also just an opportune moment um, that was ordained by God for sure, because all of my credits from college transferred over to Sacred Heart where we were credited through for seminary. And so um, I think I had to take two extra courses over this, the next summer um, to sort of align. But basically it all of my, you know, um, elective courses just happened to be psychology. Um, I could have gotten a minor, but I had no desire to take any more college courses. That's fair. Yeah, well, that's 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 totally fair. No, and and I think that's a that's something that we don't uh, understand frequently enough, right? That entering seminary is not signing on the dotted line to be a priest for the rest of your life, right? Because oh. and there's a there's a lot of reasons why that's true. One is right that seminary, as you said, it's that it it can be a very privileged place of of living a virtuous life, of deepening relationship with God, of a privileged place of discernment. Uh, which we were fortunate enough to have St. John Fisher, which had that mentality to it. But now with the the way that seminary is changing a little bit, this new, what they're calling the propedeutic or spiritual year, uh, has that kind of tint to it as well, that it, it is heavy on discernment, heavy on, on just deepening that relationship um, with the Lord. And, and ultimately, we don't enter necessarily seminary to be priests as much as to do God's will in our lives, right. Mm-hmm. And to allow that to unfold. And, um, and I love your, your continued analogy of the, of the Reese's pieces, right. Because one, it's like, it's, it's, it's logical, but it's also, it's very Catholic. It's very St. Therese, right. It's very just the little things along the way that add up to doing God's will and add mm-hmm. up to, uh, to that. So, where, or, you know, and again, knowing that you may not have had that exact realization back then, uh, but looking back now, how did that, that experience, okay, I'm just entering seminary to put myself in a position to be more deeply affected by God, to be more deeply affected by this community, um, with an openness to priesthood, sure, but not necessarily an understanding that's where I'm going. How did that begin to transform into, okay, now, you know, God's calling me into to priesthood. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like some guys have the aha moment where like mm-hmm. God touched them on the shoulder. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it just, at some point in seminary, I'd say probably around first or second theology. So mm-hmm. after having been in for about four years, like, I, I don't know, we just, I, somehow I transitioned from discernment to preparation. Um, yeah. 
and I said, you know, very logically, like, all right, God, it, it's clear that um, this is something that I want to do. I could see myself doing. I'm at peace with doing. And so I just sort of at that point, like entrusted it to God and just said, Lord, if you don't want me to do this, like you need to tell me, right? You need to make this abundantly clear because I'm happy doing this. Um, and uh, we have a, a saying in our family because um, I am really bad at staying in touch, especially if I, like, I go on a trip. I'm like the worst at like, mom will be like, text me when you get home. And I'm like, I like two days later, I'm like, I'm not dead, you know, uh, <laughs> I promise. Yeah. Um, so our, yeah, the saying is no news is good news. Um, yeah. And so like, all right, God, like no news is good news. All right. All right. I'm, I'm all in. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, like the Reese's Pieces thing, like God was just like, all right, enter the seminary, right? Next Reese's Pieces is like, find friends who are better than you, like more virtuous than you, like who they lift you up and call you to something higher. So like in the seminary, there was Robbie Naden who... Mm. Became one of my best friends is one of my best friends and the, the godfather of his first child. Um, and then like um, uh, Frank DeVito, like uh, us mm -hmm. three in the seminary. Um, I remember them like getting me to go to, to holy hour, like the, which was the next thing. Like next Reese's Pieces was like learn how to pray and be still and silent for for a full hour. Um, you know, start reading the catechism, like taking that, that first course on the catechism. Like that was the first time I'd ever opened up a like uh what do we call it? big green like the big green um and so i remember thinking like oh this is what the church actually teaches like i yeah. like learn what the church actually teaches versus what i i thought she did or uh, what i had been told she she had um and so like it was just one thing after another and then i realized like oh i'm very close to the priesthood now yeah. um not that i wasn't intentional about praying about it um but it was just yeah lord tell me if you don't want me to do this like I, I entrusted those who were in charge of my vocation as well. Right. And so like the, my spiritual director and um, the faculty and staff at Mount St. Mary's seminary down in Maryland, where I went, like people always think that that decision is entirely on the individual, like the guy, but like, just like in a marriage, like a, the, the husband and wife, they both decided on one another. He may have like asked for her hand in marriage, but she still had to say yes. And like for us, it's Jesus calling us, but the church also has to say like, we said yes, you know, yeah. um, which is one of my favorite parts of ordination, right? Like uh, the director of seminarians, I think does it. Um, yeah. So he says like, you know, after careful consideration and relying upon the, the people, we find this man to be uh, worthy. And I was like, thanks be to God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is which is so funny because and, and the funny thing about that is, is that for many of us, if it was entirely up to us, there's a positive spin on that, too, which is we may never get to the point where we're able to make that sentence about ourselves. Yeah. So it, it's good to have the church one in terms of being able to tell us when when it's not the right fit, but also to have that affirmation. Right. That says, like, no, that the church has made this discernment along with me. And, and so Jesus is affirming this, not only in my own heart, which sometimes is unreliable. Um, but he's also affirming it through the voice of the church, through the bishop, through the, the formators at the seminary, through, even through the people of God, right. Who, who very often are some of the, the ones who really affirm, 
um, that this is this is where we belong. So it's it's good that we have somebody else to make that statement kind of on our behalf, because I know I don't know about you. I never would have gotten there for myself to be able to say like, yeah, like, oh, I'm more than, no, I'm not. So I'm glad that, you know, Father Connaught was able to <laughs> to say that on my behalf because that made life um, significantly easier, you know, for me. So uh, now that you have been, a pre- what year were you ordained? I forget. It was a couple years before me, I know, but I can't remember exactly how many. 2016. 2016. So three years uh, before I was ordained. Where has God taken your priesthood since then? What has, has your experience of priesthood been like since ordination? Well, I was two years in a parish um, when I was first ordained St. Joe's in Brookfield and then uh, was sent to St. Joe's High School for the last five years now um, and lived in different rectories while I was full time at the high school. Um, and it, it's it's been a lot. Right. Like one of the things that's very difficult to do while in seminary is um, understand the the heart of a spiritual father, because you don't and the entirety of your seminary life, you don't have spiritual children. Um, you know, like I hear many parents say that as soon as their child was born, like they didn't know that they could love that much or they didn't know like what they were willing to do or sacrifice. Um and like for a father, especially like I didn't know how savage I could think when I, when I, until I had a kid and thought like, oh, this person is going to harm my child or, you know, this is going to happen. And so uh, for myself, like it, the, the power of having spiritual children and what that calls us to um, was something that I knew intellectually, but not at all experientially. Um, and so getting a spiritual family, right? Like one of the, the students asked me like, what's your favorite part about being a priest? Um, and I made the mistake of saying like, I love being like a spiritual father. I always wanted to have children. Um, and now I have like so many, it's like so many children, it's too many children. Right. Um, and so like every once in a while I'll hear like a kid down the hall would be like, dad, what, what (laughs) is like, it's so weird. Right. Like, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Like, Anytime a student says, like, ah, I really want to have kids, I'd be like, all right, like, explain to me what a father is and what a father does. And none of them ever mentioned biology, zero of them. Um, and so I say, like, everything you just mentioned about, like, providing, protecting, taking care of, like, uh, helping uh, understand, like, justice and mercy, right, being there for, like, you didn't say anything that a spiritual father doesn't do. Um, right. And so... Yeah, like something that I, I have learned along the way is like what it actually means to be a spiritual father and how inadequate I am. Um, we all are, right? Which is like to your point, which is so good. Like, like thank God the church also decides on us too. Cause like mm-hmm. so many guys would be like, oh, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. And that's, that's selfishness. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you are. That's not the point. Like, the point is like read the scripture, right? Like, God calls idiots. Right. Like yeah. Peter is, is a crazy person. Right. Yeah. I've been reading like St. John, um, the gospel, um, this past year. And like, yeah. I find it hilarious. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. his was the last gospel to come out. And it's just like, I think he did it because everyone else was dead. He's yeah. just like, <laughs> they, they can't edit it. Like I'm the beloved disciple. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he mentions three times, like, and I got to the tomb faster than, than him. 
Like I got to the faster. Like I'm way faster because I'm so much younger. Right. (laughs) Like God calls super, super crazy people. I love one of my favorite uh, readings from the office of readings is the second reading for it's the the feast, I think of St. Bartholomew and it's like in August or something. But it, it's it's nice for two reasons. One, because it brings us back to the Easter season. But the, the, the crux of the reading is that it's like, okay, the apostles were fearful and timid men and the gospels make no effort to hide that. Yeah. So if, if, if they thought that if they were afraid because they thought Jesus had died, where all of a sudden did they get the courage to go and proclaim the gospel. It's like the only logical explanation is the resurrection because they were so weak because they were so fearful and timid. And um, it's the only really logical explanation for their change in behavior is that Jesus rose and they encountered him. And, and that was transformative, Mm. Uh, you know, which I think is, is really in many ways the, the instance of our own lives, right. That, for you, it was okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, through through the young woman that you met, that you were dating. Okay, that actually led you to a deeper encounter with who God actually is, right? Not just the things about Him, but who He is, um, in a way that that gives courage to say yes, even to my own weakness, to my own woundedness, to my own sinfulness, and say, yeah, I'm gonna give you that to God, and you're gonna do things with it, and it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging at times, but it's also gonna be, I think, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, to watch and to be a part of. Amen. So there's a lot of fun things going on. Yeah. As a priest, like, we get to go to all the fun things. Yeah. Like, we get to go to all the fun things. Um, yeah, like, tonight I'm going up to the Meriden um, to see the Franciscan sisters. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm Father First Monday night. Uh, <laughs> oh, first Monday of the month. Um, and so, like, going and hang out with, like, a hundred beautiful holy women who do incredible work just across the board. Like it's awesome. So much fun. Yeah. They say, they sang at your first mass, right? They did. They they sang at my first mass. And for, for a long time, I was father second Monday of the month. Uh, It is, it is one of the great tragedies of my life of, of the way that things are right now that I have not been able to get to be there as, as regularly as I once was, uh, uh, cause I do miss them. I need to get back up there, uh, very, very soon. But, um, that is that they are, they sang at my first mass. They're, they're a great gift, uh, to, mm-hmm. to us, uh, personally and, and, and obviously to the church for um, sure. as a whole. So, so thank you, Father Silva, for sharing, um, a little bit about yourself, a little bit about the way that God has, has worked in your life and all the different Reese's pieces, uh, he has, has laid out in front of you. Uh, so just to end, I have a couple of kind of just quick fire questions. The first thing that comes to your mind. Um, and the first one is who is your favorite saint? Teresa. Other than the Blessed Mother, because that can't, that, you know, that's obvious. Therese, 100%. This is the year of Therese. It's her 100th anniversary of her beatification. Um, I don't care if the church declared it or not. It's the year of Therese. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite uh, quote from scripture or story or passage from, from sacred scripture? Come and have breakfast. It's like after the resurrection, Jesus is just like, let's eat some food. It's early. I love that. Oh, like the resurrected Lord, who everyone is terrified of, is just like, like let's have cereal, right? Uh, <laughs> That's dead fish, but yeah. Which is a strange breakfast choice to us now, but I guess 
maybe in first century Palestine, it was it was fine. Uh, and then finally, speak. You know, you, you to- spoke a lot of, of different prayers and devotions. If you could recommend one prayer or devotion to someone who is trying to discern God's will in their life, what would you recommend to them? Well, I mean, ideally, it's the mass. Right? If you can go to daily mass, no matter what, that trumps everything because, like, the Eucharist is at the center, and the Eucharist forces us to be in union with him. Like when I started going to mass in college, it was, it was only the fact that I was also going to confession at the same time. Like there's a, a something in me that refused to consume the Eucharist. If I was in the state of mortal sin, which was frequently when I was in college, mm-hmm. but that meant I, at least once a week I was going to confession and that, that in the best possible way wrecked my life. Um, and so it, the sacraments, obviously, um, but save like mass and confession. Um, I'd say that the rosary, mm-hmm. learn to love it if you don't. Uh, pray it even if you don't like it. Um, mm-hmm. Our Lady will do something with that for sure. Um, a lot of people, it's too repetitive. Everything in life <laughs> worth doing is repetitive, yeah. right? Like I've never heard my mom say to me, like you say I love you too much to me. Like, no, that's never happened <laughs> once, right? Yeah. Like, Anyone who plays a sport, who has a hobby, who plays an instrument, who has a craft or a trade has to do everything in repetition and repetition may be boring, but it yields fruit for sure. Um, And so the rosary by far can't beat it. Perfect. Great. Well, Father Silva, thank you so much uh, for joining us. We're so happy to have you. Uh, For those of you uh, who are out there listening and and looking for more information on discernment, on priesthood, you can visit us at bridgeportpriest.org. You can email us, discern at bridgeportpriest.org. You can find A Priest Forever, the podcast on YouTube uh, and also on all of the uh, various uh, podcast services. Make sure you subscribe uh, so that you don't uh, miss an episode. Again, thank you to Father Eric Silva, chaplain at St. Joseph's High School, for joining us today. Um, And to all of you out there, please be assured of our continued prayers for you, that God may continue to uh, open your hearts to him and to his will in your life. God bless.